This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. This is the besotted pride of West London podcast. <laughs> and welcome to our end of season party. <laughs> oh dear, this is absolutely fantastic. I can't believe the end of season parties come so early. We're on tour again. We are actually in a beautiful pub, the George the Fourth pub in Chiswick. And uh, we're partying up here. I mean, everyone's been drinking all day. Like, you know, it's just like Christmas come again about a month later. Um, lovely pub, the George IV, is down Chiswick High Road. I haven't been here actually since I was at school. I used to come here, bunk off school, and used to come inside here, and it used to look a little bit shadier than it does now. But um, here we are, George IV pub. Well, and, did you and come do your homework? I, I did my homework in here, yeah, over a, a, a Coke, a cola, and uh, a packet of crisps. Nice. Yeah, thank you very much. But anyway, look. Lots to discuss today. I mean, we're looking at loads of things. Looking back at the Leeds game, which is ooh, 10 days ago. We've had, a, we've had a, a free weekend since then. We've had a, 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 a window that's shut. Um, we're going to ask, is our season really over? Um, we're going to ask, are Brentford stronger this window? And if why? And also, we're going to ask if our recruitment policy is working. So anyway, I'm partying here on a, on a, on a Wednesday night with uh, all sorts of characters. It's a bit cold for May, though, isn't it? <laughs> It is, yes, it is a bit cold. It is cold. I'm in the studio anyway with Mr. David Lane. How are you doing? I'm David again. What have I done to upset you? I'm Dave, I'm Dave sometimes and David when you're trying to tell me off. I'm not, t- I'm not telling you off anyway, mate. You've been absolutely perfect this week. I'm all right, mate. I'm all right. I enjoyed not having any football last weekend. Um, got Brighton on Friday, um, which is going to be quite testing for us. Brighton, uh, you know, they're in the, in the hunt for a, a playoff place. Um, and we, we'll find out a lot about Brentford on Friday night, I think. Fingers crossed we'll find out whether or not Brentford are on their way back, as they say. So anyway, we've got the Allard. The Allard is back. How are you doing, Matt Allard? Yeah, I'm very well, very well. Really looking forward to tonight's podcast because I think there's been a bit of under-representation on some of the previous podcasts. Tonight I'm really delighted because I've got a fellow new roader on the podcast for the first time. <laughs> and the fellow, and queuing in our fellow new roader as well, welcome her back on the podcast again is the amazing Gem. Gemma, how are you doing? I'm a terrace girl. I don't know what this slander is about here. Well, well explain. 
Anyway, but how, what have you been up to? Um, I've been eating dust for 10 days to save money so that I can afford to go to Brighton and Sheffield in the next couple of weeks. Sheffield being my birthday extravaganza, and I'm very excited. Ah, should be, should be, Sheffield, we'll come to that. That's going to be a good one, actually, because uh, we might get a little bit of a, uh, a welcoming from the Sheffield because we've done a little project with them um, recently, which they're very happy with. But that's all good. But listen, you're a terrorist girl. You might go on the new road every now and again, but you don't really want to. But let's come to the real new road, man. And like I said, we always like to get our guests on the podcast if we can. We put the word out. And uh, he's found himself a free Wednesday. He's been very, very, very busy the last few months gigging all over the place. We've got the comedian Nathan Caton in the house. How you doing, Nathan? I'm good, man. I'm, I'm good. Also, can I say um, thank you for having me on the podcast, guys? I appreciate it because like I've been listening for like I don't know ages. I follow you guys on Twitter, so I feel like I feel like I feel like I should stop the recording so I can call my mum. <laughs> I made it. I made it. Listen, listen. You can call your. We'll, we'll put the pause button. You can call your mum and uh, you can come back. and go. Yeah, who's who's a loser now, bitch? <laughs> so what you're saying is that all the things that you've done in your career so far, this kind of. Ellipses all of those, eclipses all of those. Mock the week, Lava the Apollo doesn't compare to this, man. Trust me, this is, guys, I'm, I'm genuinely honoured. Thank you for having me. That's all good, man. That's all good. So, listen, what, what have you been up to? Because I know that you've been very, very busy as of late. I mean, what, what's been going on? You, uh, you ain't been to many games from what I can gather as well. Loyal? I've been to, I've been to lots of home games. I missed the first few games because I was at the Edinburgh Festival. Apart from that, yeah, I've been to nearly all the home games, if not all of them. Some away games, went to Reading. Uh, where else have I been? I'm, I've been to quite a few, um, but I've been gigging as, as I always do. Um, I'm touring into the year, so I'm working on like new material for that at the moment. Yeah, I mean, I missed you at a gig last week. I was at the Top Secret Comedy Club in uh, in, in Jury Lane, and uh, I got I, I got there a day late because they said uh, he left 24 hours ago. Apparently, yeah, I was there the uh, night before, like working on new stuff. Sorry, Any good? Uh, let's not talk about that. Shall we? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. New material doesn't always work, yeah, yeah. as I found out. Yeah. Listen, we'll talk about your stuff a little bit later. But look, let's cast our mind back. Last game that we played was so long ago. Leeds United came to town. They call them dirty Leeds. Are they dirty? Are they not? We don't really care. Um, it doesn't really matter. It ended up one all. We should have won that game, but we fluffed it. We gave them the goal, bang, in the back of the net. Never mind. But listen. We're not going to talk about that game and how we depressed we were afterwards for not winning. We're going to listen to the fans in the pub after the game to see what they said. The wind upset the game tremendously. I didn't realise after the first half just how important the wind was. But they looked to utilise the conditions much better than we did second half. And uh, I have to say, I think they were probably worthy of getting a draw. We dominated the first half quite considerably I thought, certainly possession wise, I just don't think we created enough chances in the first half I mean that's the most disappointing bit about it was the way we gave the goal away and it's so unfortunate that it happened to Bidwell who's been brilliant all season, rarely makes mistakes and for him to just shank one like that I guess it happens it was a good game actually, I thought Leeds were better than I expected them to be, they're better than in any of the three previous games they've played us at this level and, uh, yeah, it was a fair result, unfortunately. Out of the team, I don't know. I thought we played quite well. It was really good to see McEachern get a, a full 90 in. I thought we looked busy. The passing was tight. We moved the ball quite quickly. I don't think we, we did quite enough in the first half when we were clearly on top and we didn't have quite enough chances. I thought we looked bright. I did think we maybe we did fade in the second half a little bit and maybe that was... 
the sort of you know the quick turnaround coming to bear a little bit. We've got to be happy because we were pretty turgid. We were flat-footed. Brent, Brentford were a better teammate, so you know credit to Brentford. Their yeah, leads just weren't at the races at all today. Your, your goal was basically went, went straight down the centre, and our sort of uh, central defences parted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, so I think both goals were gifted. Poor defending, but, but to, to be fair, the goal was a nice goal. It's, you know, credit to Brentford today because you look as though you're a team who've got you know a bit between your teeth, and you're a, a team that's going somewhere. Unfortunately, we're going the other direction by the looks of it. We thought I thought the win was ours. Um, I, I really I really think that we played some fantastic football. Um, were you just too hesitant to shoot all night? You know, when when we did actually shoot, we we actually scored, but. You know, there was a, some, some good signs there still. You know, we haven't lost against Leeds United for the second year running. You know, we're, we are an established championship team. So interesting views from the fans in the pub, talking about that Leeds game, thinking that we should have won, but we didn't win it. Scored a great goal, let in a rubbish goal. And um, one of their, our players was playing for them. I mean, he plays for them now, so he's not one of our players anymore, Tumani. Diego Raga, fans still asking him to shoot, even though he was playing for them. A little bit strange, you know. Brentford's really weird sense of humour was happening. Some people didn't get it, and they're very annoyed. But you know, it's only a laugh, wasn't it? But look, we're not going to talk about that game because it was so long ago. And to be quite honest, we want to eradicate it from our mind. But we have been through a bit of a change since the transfer windows come down, and we were looking back on the website and around Twitter, and we remember there was a statement by one of our directors of football, Rasmus Ankerson. And he said last August, the goal is for Brentford to get stronger after each transfer window. But the question I'm asking, because I don't really know the answer, is, is Brentford stronger this window? I mean, I'm going to go around the table to see what people think. Nathan. Um, can I counter that question with stronger on the pitch or off the pitch? Oh, it's a very good question. You can start with on the pitch first. On the pitch, um, it's debatable. You would say, obviously, losing uh, Tumani and Tarkowski. Although I do really rate uh, Barbe. I think he's a quality player. I've only seen him a few times, but he looks he looks solid. Um, good range of passing as well. Um, sweet left foot. Um, but then we've got what? <clears throat> so six million for Tarkowski, and we've got a lot. Was, uh, was it half a mil or seven hundred fifty? Which is much more half than a, half a mil, yeah, for Tumani. So. I guess you could say yes and no in that yes in the sense that we've got more money to spend in the summer um, on targets that we have to pay over the odds for now. So I think if you're looking long term, I, I would say we're stronger. I mean, that's good. And we're going to come back to that because I agree with you. And, it's you know, we've got the money in the pot. We've got, you know, six millionaire. We've got, you know, money from Grey. We've got, you know, some people quoted a figure of 20, 22 million pounds over the last, you know, last few months players in the war chest mm. and we've spent very little so we can go out there doing it but it's all about bringing in the players but Matt your thoughts um, it's, it's, it's difficult to when it comes on the pitch it's difficult to make any sort of a case to say we're stronger than we were going into the last two transfer windows but I, you know I, I, actually, I actually thought when you said stronger I, I wrote down financially because I guess financially we're stronger than we were, you know, um, this time last year or six months ago in terms of money in the bank rather than value on the pitch. Uh, we'll haven't, you know, is it, but was it worth going out and spending money in a transfer window when maybe you don't get the value during the winter transfer window you might get during the summer? That's my main concern here. Um, 
So, you know, I'm, I, I, I hate to sit on the fence, but I am sitting on the fence. Um, yeah, I mean, I fully understand what the, what the, the two have just said, and I think we are stronger in, you know, cash in the bank. Um, I will play devil's advocate slightly here, but I, I can't see that we're anything other than weakened um, into the final part of the season, hence kind of our jokes about the season being over. Um, whether, I think we then move on to whether we've done the right or wrong thing not to go out and spend money in this window. And I, I think probably we've done the right thing not to go out and spend money because it's twofold, really. The first, we actually can now give players who, who were on the periphery and on the fringe of the first team an opportunity to really show what they're made of or not. They, we, they, this is for the rest of the season now, we find out players like Kirschbaumer, um, Barbe. Um, Hogan, if he comes back, um, th- there's an opportunity there, and, and Dykhausen uh, and Dijk- oh, Jurisin yeah. and Gogia, play, those players to see whether they are up to the championship. Because um, we've got some big games, we've got some you know, testing games coming up. So in terms of, you know, we've we've actually, you know, we've got this um, recruitment and this um, this statistical modelling that people, you know, lambast us for. This is this is a this is an ideal opportunity to prove that whether these players do cut the mustard at this level. Um, the other reason I think it's probably not a good idea to have spent big money this window is, is what was the point? You know, we, we, we weren't, we're not challenging for a playoff place unless we re- really had huge, huge turnover. You know, we, we would need to Im- improve in so many places to be up with the, the Middlesbroughs and the Holes and the Burnleys and the, you know, the Brightons, the, the, the ones that are in those playoff, in the playoff shakeup. So we are weaker than where we were a year ago, as, as, a, as a squad. What's left of our squad, um, but you know it, it's it's imperative now that the powers that be and the the, the, the staff that's there, which who are trusted with rebuilding this squad, go and get it right this time because there's a lot of ammo there um, to be chucked at them to to, to, to suggest that they they don't know what they're doing, but they have to now go out and show that they do know what they're doing and spend this money wisely. And so you know there's there's, pr- there's no excuse now really for us not to be starting next season in a very, very, very good place. Um, so I'm kind of excited in some ways for the rest of this year, this, this season, but um, it's going to make the, a lot of the games very difficult to go to as a fan um, because it's going to cost me a lot of money and you know we're, we're not going anywhere. So I've got, I've, as a fan, I've got that dilemma, but I, don't, I, don't, I haven't been following them to see them win every week. I'm, I'm, I'm going to see some good football. I'm going to see a team trying to trying to win and that's that's good enough for me I think for me more than anything we're richer and these days being richer in football tends to make you stronger and certainly if not stronger on the pitch then stronger off the pitch the thing that I think is more interesting than whether we're stronger or not is how much more confident we obviously are you know part of that is the freedom of our season being more or less over but part of that is just, so. Is that confident as fans or as a, or as a team? I, for me, I think if you look at the transfer window and what we've done, the overwhelming feeling I got is that the management team thinks the season is over, because if they think the season is over, it doesn't matter who we sell and it doesn't matter who we don't buy, and. The thing is, we have the confidence as now a comfortable mid-table championship club, which we would have all, I mean, we dreamed about for such a long time, to say, hey, we're here, 
we don't have to go anywhere this season. We're not going to fall out the bottom of the league. And so we don't have to pay a lot of money for things that we don't need. It doesn't matter who we sell. We've got people in the squad that can do the same job. And I can't remember that ever being the case since I've been a Brentford fan. And it's a very, very interesting thing, I think. More than stronger or weaker on the pitch or off it. Do, do we... Do we term this as the season's over or do we start saying next season starts now I, I, I think there, there's there, that's I think there's the you know we, we can experiment a little bit we can, we only need four or five wins for the rest of the season to be 100% safe so you know if if we if, it could be an, it could be an exciting time the where we're, we're prepping ourselves for next year or it could be it could be another three or four months of woe <laughs> yeah um yeah, the same you're saying. We're mid-table. Yeah? It's like it's not the end of the world, is it? Like, I think I think we've just been spoiled because of what happened last year. I was saying to you guys earlier. Um, like when we were in League One, we would have taken this position any day of the week. It's like, but I don't. It's like, um, okay, how can I describe it? It's like a. All right, this is a weird analogy. Do you remember when? Um, this is kind of weird. Remember when Michael Jackson's Dangerous album came out and people were slagging off? It's like and saying, oh, it's rubbish. It's not rubbish, it's that it came out after Bad and Thriller, which are great. That's, that's what, we're, we're in the dangerous season, <laughs> so to speak. Right? Yeah, we had Thriller and Bad last, the last few years, and now we've got... <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's coming next year. <laughs> yeah, that's what, we're, we're just, we're having a, a, it's a decent season. It's just, it's spoiled by last season, like, it's not the end of the world. Things could be much worse for us right now. I just hope the analogy ends there because it didn't get any better for oh, Michael, no. did it? Yeah, that's it. The yeah. right there. Yeah, yeah, right there. <laughs> so, I mean, looking at this transfer window, there's been a lot of debate online, particularly with the fans, about the transfer window. A lot of people, you know, we talked about it and, and everyone's put their opinion in forward as to whether or not we should have done. But let me, let's just have a look at our activity in the transfer window. May not have got all of this right, but we've got obviously Tamani who was, who's left and, and scored a goal. I mean, for me, I'm going to say already I feel cheated. Absolutely, <laughs> I do. I feel cheated How by him. Tamani. You know, it's, uh, it's almost like, I'll tell you something, and, I, and I'm going to say this, is the honest truth. I actually think he did it deliberately. He did because he knew that he was going to score for us soon, and he thought to something to really piss them lot off. I'm going to leave now, and then I'm going to score. And he's done it, and it's like it's so bad that we actually wanted him to score against us. This was how much we wanted him to score, right? It's just, I mean, how can how could he do this to us? Like you know, so we talked about Tamani. Um, he's got as well Tarkovsky. Um, we know there's been certain situations, and he put his statement out and, every, and, 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 and put that forward, which has been, you know, which has been out there. He's now moved. Um, yes, his, his, his mother was, was ill. We know the situation. We also, it has been explained that he did not act in the right way, and uh, whatever situation may have happened there, you know, we've seen other people who have had maybe similar situations where they've acted in maybe in a slightly more professional way. So I'm not wishing any ill on um, Tarkovsky and his mother and stuff, but I think that he could have probably acted a little bit more professionally. And it still does kind of grate on me a little bit that um, manners, as we say, is if you listen to the podcast quite a lot, there's a lot of manners that needs to go down. And uh, I'm not sure if manners was... Uh, was respected in that case. We got um, Alan Judge, who, to be fair, he's tipped his head and said, "I'm staying with Brentford." Is it going to be into the summer? You know, is it going to be further? You know, that's a question to be asked. But we got him for now, and we've got a new man on the case, Manny Onoriasi. 
from West Ham. He came with a bit of a fanfare, didn't he, old Manny? Um, well, yeah, the, the development squad signings, you know, I might be wrong, but normally they kind of just turn up at Jersey Road and they're, you know, shown where to collect their mug and where to make themselves a bovril and stuff. But he got the full on-pitch scarf from the club shop kind of photo call. Um, so maybe, maybe, maybe the expectations are a little bit. Higher. Well, maybe, maybe he spent seven quid on the club shop for a scarf, <laughs> which is more than the others. So he's, whatever his undisclosed transfer fee was, this is seven quid extra. So maybe he's a sort of a development squad wrapped up, rare, wrapped up a little bit, like you know, a first team player. Yeah. But the, the, but the thing I'll say about, I'm gonna, I'm gonna talk about this Manny character because I, I did find it very interesting in our sort of zero transfer activity. Um, coming in sort of phase so obviously he was the one thing that you kind of uh, you looked at is um, if Manny had cut, was signed by us in, in Division 1 right if he's signed by us in, in Division 1 when we were up there we were pushing for a playoff place or pushing for that he would have probably been straight in the first side because he would have been the, the Harley Dean or the Foreshaw or the Bidwell type player and would have been really happy that we got him in from the development squad and he's come in and it's fine and and this is a question I thought we might come on to late, but we've got, we've got to talk about it now. And this is about our transfer policy. We had a policy which really worked for us, where we got these players in which were slightly under the radar, because we were sort of slightly under the radar. We pulled them in, and they did great for us. Started off kind of a little bit, not ropey, but they had to learn the ropes. But after a half a year, a year, they became great. Your foreshores, your bidwells, your deans, and stuff like that. It worked for us in Division 1. But as we've now got to the championship, have things changed? Because all of a sudden you get somebody like him, Manny's come in, and he's got to hit the boats a bit running because we are sort of kind of a top 10 championship side. So, you know, we can't operate with that same kind of policy as we used to. Um, first thing is we welcomed Josh Lauren very similarly last season. Um, and we know where that's ended up. So, so Josh Lauren, just explain yeah. the story for people that don't so he, know. Well, he's the guy that came from um, QPR. QPR, and um, a lot of QPR fans were getting a bit upset that they weren't bringing their own players through, and and now he's out the door. Um, so let's. So, so we're not guaranteed anything from this, and and I think the reason we're not guaranteed anything from this is pretty much for the for what you're saying is it is very difficult now to come from not playing much football or certainly not playing league football to a championship side and expect to be banging on the door of the first team uh, I, this development squad to first team step has got is, is just too big now for um, teams in the Premier League we see it in the Premier League and we're seeing it in the championship and then maybe if you drop down a league it's less you know as you drop down the league it's less of a step yeah. this step's too big and, and I think all over football we're suffering for it so all these players are out on loan here they're out on loan there they're out on loan there because it's the only way to get them playing league football and prepare them into the first team I was just going to say surely that's what Wickham are for yeah yeah because, and, and that's why the loan system has become um, has become sort of you know the, the favoured way to go because the development you know the development squad and the development league isn't preparing players to come in and play first team football well, I mean, also the, the other thing that's, um, you know, <laughs> history shows that no club ever gets every signing right. Um, and you look at how many hundreds of transfers have gone through this window and the last window and the one before. It's probably th- a thousand or two thousand transfers over the last two or three windows. A very, very small percentage of them hit the sweet spot in, in the clubs. You know, mo- most of them, most of them end up being fodder. Most of them don't work out in whatever squad. You know, it's, it's only a very 
small percentage of that are the perfect signing for the perfect club at the perfect time. And all of a sudden, now and again, all those stars align and you end up with a like Brentford last season where we ev- everything worked out great. It was it was like the the golden era for us, and, you know. And the another analogy is probably Leicester City this this year, where you know it's a moment in time, and you know enjoy it while it's there because players always move on, nothing stays the same forever, and you know time time just does move on, and you know you you hope it lasts longer than it does sometimes, and you, you and mistakes are made, but you know not every not every transfer we make this window or next window is going to work out you just hope most of them more of them do than they have done last last year I mean and coming back to again the team you talk about the development squad which is quite interesting as well I mean we've got a few of the players Montel Moore and I was looking at um, a little press release of Montel about two or three years ago when they were talking about Montel was very highly rated I know that the owner very rated him very highly and within the development system they've rated him very highly Um, he was practically in the first team remember he was on the bench and he was pushing for the first team I think when we were in Division 1 and even when we got the championship we thought right Montel's going to be the next one for various different reasons like you know he, his, his extracurricular activity that he did kind of maybe not necessarily made him focus on his football 100% he got sent out to Denmark to try and fix up He's come back and it obviously hasn't worked out and we've decided to release him. He was on trial with Charlton a couple of days ago, whether or not they're going to take him on or not. We'll see. The way that Charlton are at the moment now, they're, uh, they, they probably will, to be quite honest with you. Um, we've also got Josh Laurent, who's another um, academy guy as well, and he's now gone to Hartlepool, if I remember rightly. Is that on loan? Or is, that a, is, that a, is that a proper deal? It's a, it, no, I think it's a proper, proper yeah, deal, isn't it? Yeah. So, so Hartlepool, he's gone there. Um, we know about Ryan Williams, who was a bit of a trial as well. The, the infamous Ryan Williams and the free kicks. He's He's gone up to Scotland to uh, Inverness Cali Thistle. Um, but we come back and we talk about this as well. And you talk about this academy scenario. Um, well, let's be straight up. It, it doesn't seem to be working out for us, though, does it? Let's be straight up. Well, it's, I wouldn't say it's not working. It's like, as, as you were saying earlier, it's, it's harder, that transition. We're not in League One anymore. We're the championship standards. The bar's been raised, so to speak. So the... Yeah, it's like, it's, like, it's a tougher challenge to go from you know the uh, development squad to the first team. It's like it's yeah, it's you have to be really good now, especially like you know we're, we're in the top half. You know we want to be pushing off for the playoffs and stuff. The quality's got to be even higher because we'll be competing with like you know Middlesbrough, Derby's, you know uh, Burnley's, Hulls. Like you can't have, you can't have, you can't be average and walk into the team. You have to be really good. I think I think Jem hit, hit the nail on the head there. The players that are coming out of our development squad are Wick and Wanderer standards. So that, that's, that's the level of footballer we're producing. So it's obviously a decent level. They're professional footballers um, of, league, of league status level, but they're not championship. That's why we go to Chelsea. I'm going to, I'm going to be devil's advocate here as well. Um, Tomani Diego Raga was a Wick and Wanderer standard um, probably two seasons ago because he went from Brentford down to Portsmouth because we didn't think he was even good enough for our first team. He went down there, but something happened in the development stage which took him and made him into a League One stroke championship player. So why isn't this happening? But it didn't happen for him until he was 23, 24, 25. So the development squad, you've got 19, 20-year-olds, and you're expecting to produce players that are ready to play championship football at 
20, 21 years old, and I just it's just not happening. I don't think we're the only club with that problem. Um, Southampton have got the same problem now. So so players are so players are 20, 21, dropping down the leagues, and probably some of them will come back up the leagues at some point. But who's got? You know, are you going to keep them there for another three years until they maybe? You know, they might be ready to play at 23. It's a really hard balancing act at the moment. I think the other thing is. We're in a situation where we loan players from other clubs and you talk about you know, the, the, the loans from Chelsea and stuff. You're in a situation where why would you bring a player, and I know there's money and, and that sort of thing, but if you're just looking at the first team, why are you going to bring through a player from a Brentford academy when already in our first team we've got a player from the Barcelona academy? You know, how are we, we going to say, right, OK, Montel or whatever... We're going to take Sergi Canos out of our side and, and put you in. I think I think the uh, 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 on a short term in the short term way that football works most of the time, th- this is going to happen. This is, again, and I hear what you're saying. I think this is the difficulty because um, Montel, even though he's probably not the right position, but yeah, but um, with Sergi Canos, probably Josh Clark is probably a, an example of the player that was down that, that that side. I mean, Josh Clark did actually come into the side, and pe- people were impressed with him. But again, you know, for the feedback that we heard is that he still had a, quite a lot to learn. And that's why he was sent out to Barnet, because they didn't feel that, especially the position they were putting him in, as right back. You know, it kind of he was doing the job whether or not other people had to cover for him. So he went to, to, to Barnet. And to be fair, from what I can, you know, can gather, the Barnet fans thought, yeah, he's quite not bad attacking. But, you know, defensively, he's still got a lot to learn. So we don't see these players week in and week out on the, on, on the training field. And uh, I think the reason why Sergi Canos came in is because they probably thought that he could, you know, we didn't, we couldn't feel that Jota was missing, and we had to fill that role. And I'm not saying it's right or wrong. It's, I think it's frustrating. I'd love to see homemade Brentford players coming all the way through. Maybe, maybe that's the, the crux of it. Is maybe it's just simply too much to expect for um, an academy to produce championship or premiership quality players. You know, Southampton have been absolutely lauded. For their, their amazing academy and to, to be able to be able to spot and identify England quality players, but the, probably the only reason they did that is because they went down to League Three. You know, they, they you know, Adam Walcott, Lalana, Oxlade Chamberlain, Gareth Bale, and Harley Dean came came through that. You know, world class players like that come through the Southampton academy, and um, you know, we got Ronald Coleman a couple of months ago. They were saying, you know, saying like not one of the, the new crop are, are ready to, to be anywhere near the first team. So maybe maybe academy players are only ever going to be League Three players. Again, it's not about League Three players; it's about getting game time, and you're not going to get the game time because there's too much pressure in the higher up league. So uh, I'm not saying Greg Dyke's right with the B leagues thing because that's kind of going into a different area. But it's a scenario about how do you get your players proper game time with the teams that are playing the right type of football and you can actually kind of develop them and I think that's the question and, and that is ultimate that's really the thing isn't it is that the solution to this is not palatable to us as football supporters because that is the feeder, solution feeder that has been identified yeah well, Mark Warburton actually was an advocate of feeder clubs yeah he I mean yeah. And, he, and he was and the thing about it is there's like I said there's different arguments here I mean a lot of people say you know you can have B clubs a lot of people are saying that Maybe it isn't B clubs, but maybe you have a designated team that you actually put your, you know, you put, you know, you put your players to. So like Tottenham did it with um, Swindon, 
You know, all their players went to Swindon. We had no chance of getting Pritchard initially, you know, from Tottenham because, you know, they had the relationship with Swindon. And, you know, when the manager went, then that relationship broke down. But they had that thing where everyone was going there and then Swindon had first choice on their players. Now, what is the best way for us to solve this? Because to be quite honest with you, you know, if I've been throwing in loads of money into the academy, like I know that, you know, Benham has done, I'll be, I'll be gutted if, like, you know, four or five ladies later and I've spent millions and millions of pounds and, and no one's coming, coming out of it. You've got to think, right, what, what do we do to solve it? I, I, the problem is, is, is that we can, you know, two or three years on from being a League One club, we might find that solution a bit more palatable. But if you'd have asked us two or three years ago, did we want to become a feeder club or did we want to see B teams in our league, we clearly would have said no. So I think you can only answer this... For me as a football supporter, I'm not going to answer it as a Brentford supporter, I'll answer it, you know, you, you answer it as a Brentford supporter, clearly not as a football supporter, you know, it just, it just doesn't quite sit with me and I know loads of guys that support lower league teams and, you know, it, it just is going to unbalance everything to do that. I, I like the way things are, it might mean we're never going to have a great England team and it might mean we're not going to bring through lots of great young players, but I, I'll take that. I mean, the only real solution is something that is never ever going to happen. Is if you had you had to have a quota of homegrown local players in in, in your first team, um, but no one's ever going to agree to that. No Premiership club's going to agree to it. No Championship is ever going to agree to it. Um, and ultimately, it probably makes you question: Is is it actually worth having an academy if if Chelsea are producing you know all these like it's almost like super farms? Um, you know, we might as well just have the ones that. That, that drop out of theirs. Well, that, and that is that, that is the way it's working, isn't it? Is that Chelsea will produce players that might play for us, and we're going to. It looks like we're producing players that might play for Wickham or might play for Hartlepool. Um, so the academy thing is not really working for the clubs that are setting up the academies. So listen, transfer window shut. However, the loan window opens in a week's time, a few days' time. So we're going to get all this again. But the question, I mean, we've had the conversation about, you know, we haven't gone too deep into it. We just had the little party celebration at the beginning about our season being over. Nice little joke there. But really, the, the loan window, what do you think that we may or may not do? Is it, is it worth Brentford going to the loan? I'm just going to go around the table quickly. Are we going to go into the loan window and, and why? Maybe for a midfielder or a winger, but I'm... I'm always sceptical about having too many loans because it gives a false sense of the team at the end of the season. It kind of, cause when, the, when the permanent players come back, it's like, oh, oh, so we're totally different. So I'm, I'm unsure about getting anyone in the loan. I'd rather just wait to the summer. Um, I think it's, it's virgin on being pointless um, as long as we don't become complacent. There's still a, smite, a small chance we might become complacent, but... As long as we don't do that, I just don't see the point of it because all you're doing is you're stopping players that we really need to know if they can cut it in the championship from playing. Yeah, I'd be, I'd be disappointed if we brought too many in, if I'm being honest with you. You know, I feel, as long as the reason that we've brought very few players in in this window is that we're going to really, really test our squad give everyone a chance, see what they're capable of, you know, why not play Udomanga up on the bench and, and, and have him as a, as a striker if things don't work? You know, why not give him four or five championship games just to see what he's made of? Then, then we know that if he's let go in the summer, then it was the right reason to, rather than that, you know, he just wasn't given a chance. Sometimes giving, a, giving people a chance is all the chance they need because, you know, 
serendipity or whatever happens and there's a moment that it just they get a, they get a goal out of nothing and then their 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 career turns you know so you know look at Jamie Vardy you know I'm not saying that I'm not saying he's capable of being Vardy but there's a lot of people said no about him so it was only something happened in his career that was a catalyst for something changing massively for him and who's to say that can't happen for for some kids in our youth yeah I kind of agree to be honest I think we've we have you know, we talk about selling players and, and getting a lot of money in, but we spent a lot of money in the summer and things, and we need to see if these players, when they eventually become fit, are worth it. The only time I'd want to see a loan really this season is if it's towards the back end or, or an emergency or something like that, where it's with a view to a purchase in the summer. I don't see any other reason why we'd want to do that. Um, I was just thinking if Button got injured, maybe a loan? I've got to say, we've got to, uh, it's interesting because we're sitting here with the confidence of Brentford being in 10th place or wherever we are, saying, OK, we're in 10th. We're probably not going to get players. If we do, it only, we'll only do it, if, as we said earlier, if we have a massive burst. We do, do a run like we did in, in, in November. Things are different, and if we did that, it'll be absolutely miraculous and it'd be great, and we just enjoy it. But for now, we can relax in 10th place. However, I'm going to ask you, if all of a sudden Brentford kind of got into a scenario where we found ourselves... Because now it doesn't really matter. If we finish 7th or we finish, is it 19th or 20th? 2020th, I think it is. Um, if we finish 19th, it doesn't really matter because it just means that you're kind of there or thereabouts. If we were 10th, 12th, 14th, 16th, 18th, what is your scenario on a loan, a loan there? Mm, um, yeah, if we, if we were like facing relegation and maybe I'd be tempted I didn't say facing relegation I'm just saying that we start dropping a little no but you look at our, our squad there's enough quality where I think keep the faith when does the loan window close? <laughs> so like 24th of March something like that um, we, we won't yeah we, it'd be after the 24th of March before we had to start looking over our shoulders so yeah keep the faith I'm, lo- I'm looking at the fixture list now. I'm, I'm cheating a little bit. I'm, I'm, you know, we've got, we're on 40 points. We need 52-53 to be 100% guaranteed of it. That's four wins. Fulham and QPR are two of them. So, <laughs> so, so, we, need, so we, we, need two, we need two more wins. So Bolton at home, you, you've got to say that we, we, we've got the beating of Bolton. Charlton at home, you've got to say we've got the beating of Charlton. Same with Bristol City. MK Dons away. Uh, we, we, there's a, a couple of draws against teams, other teams around us. There's, there's so many points to. We're, we are safe. We're not. We're not bad enough, even with you know losing Tumani to, to say we're going to lose 15 on the trot. That would be pucker. No worries. No worries. So look. So the, the view out there is that, listen, even if we start dropping a little bit, we just need to keep on testing the players that we have to try and get them ready for next season, which is interesting. So just, guys, I'm going to go around the table and say, I want to ask you, how did you rate our transfer window? And also, what, if, if, what team you thought did the business? Um, who would I, out of 10, I'd give us six, seven. Yeah, For the money we've got in, I think, yeah, give us a seven. For the money we've got... We've done good business uh, financially. Who's done the best? Uh, probably Borough. Forgetting just the Jordan Rhodes. They've spent, was it 9 million or 11 million? To get promoted, to then get all that Premiership money, Premier League money. Yeah, I'll probably give it to them. So they're definitely promoted just because they got Jordan Rhodes? No, they're, they're hot favourites, you know. I, yeah, you can't exactly 
doubt them now. Rhodes is a really interesting one because he's a sort of player that I think he'll go to some clubs and he'll be brilliant. Mm. And I think he, there's a real danger he'll go to other clubs and be really ineffective. My suspicion is, is because Middlesbrough are quite workmanlike, I think they do you know, hit balls that Rose is going to get on the end of, as I, as I would say, this, I'd make the same argument for Hull as well, that he'll probably do OK, and, and, and therefore probably the signing of Rose is guaranteed Middlesbrough going up. If he'd have gone to somewhere like Derby, I might have had a slightly different yeah. perception on whether that was a, a, a particularly good signing, because we saw with Bent last year that actually signing a, a guy up front that scores you goals but doesn't do a lot else isn't necessarily the, the solution as it wasn't for Derby last year so I think you've probably got to make Borough for us it was a transfer window to I mean I, I would argue somewhat to forget really um, yeah move on and out of 10 how many out of 10 uh, f- 5 I'm just sitting in the middle um, I'll probably give it 6 out of 10 I think the most important thing was Alan Judge not going anywhere to be honest I think that's, that's the one that I think there would have been some sort of Armageddon implosion amongst the fans if that had happened as well um, not just because of that I think he's it's, it's, it's a, a good one to have around uh, um, getting rid of Tarky was good news we needed a solution on that he was, he was toxic in the end um, not going to go into his personal details. I reckon a lot of that was exaggerated. We'll find out. You know, I hope his mum's all right. But you know, if he was all right to play on the Tuesday, he should have been all right to play on the Friday. Um, so getting rid of him, um, Burnley have paid well over the top for Tarkowski. <laughs> you know, not being funny, but for that alone, I mean, they have been, at, they've they've had their pockets properly pinched. I'd, I'd say proper picking. We moan about the parachute payments, don't we, for teams that have dropped out of the Premier League, but, but Burnley have done us somewhere between 8 and 14 million this season. It works out so to three, mil- to, right. three million pound per year. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I think we're about a 7 out of 10 on the transfer window, which is the score you give something which is actually good but kind of uninspiring. Um, the team I think who've done actually a very amazing, to be honest, bit of business is actually Leeds. When you think that they spent half a mil on a one-in-two striker in Timani, I think they've done smashing business. <laughs> yeah, I think you've got a fair point. Kind of say, yeah, Burnley gave us, what, nine mil for Gray and six for Tarks. That's 15 mil. They could have used half of that and used the rest of the money to get uh, Sean Dice some cough lozenges because his voice is so croaky. It's unbelievable. Celsius, dude. <laughs> Is, 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 was his name called was he ISIL or ISIS before they changed his name to Daesh because isn't isn't that isn't that the isn't that the term that we're not supposed to call the Islamic State now is it Daesh is that is that not, is that not? I, I, I don't know mate you're, you're on your own on this one no. that's right yeah I do, I do. So, so listen look we've been talking quite a little bit of the transfer window this has been a bit of a transfer we're going to talk more about transfers in a minute and afterwards we're going to come back after this little break to ask whether or not Brentford's recruitment policy is working. So, talking a lot about transfers in this podcast because the transfer window is just shut a couple of days ago. And uh, we didn't feature very much from Sky Sports because we didn't really do very much. But that's not really a problem. Or is it? Because what we're going to do is we're going to ask the question, Brentford, we have a recruitment policy... It worked absolutely fabulously for us when we were in Division 1. Try and buy, we tried some players out, got them on loan, liked them, we bought them. Great, we built a team and then we got into the Championship. That same team took us almost to the Premier League. But now we seem to be 
or are we having a few issues bringing players in because we as we say put our head above the pedestal and people know we're actually quite a good side so the question we're going to ask very simply is Brentford's recruitment policy is it working Nathan um, I wouldn't say it's not working it's just it's harder um, for a few reasons one we're now in the championship we're competing against bigger sides and two people know what we're about now they know we're doing <clears throat> the whole like, money ball and that stuff and I think it's still people are still a bit sceptical about it so I, I can imagine some players like mm, I don't, I'll wait and see how it works before deciding you know, if I want to come to Brentford um, that's, that's how it might come across uh, but at the same time like you look at some of the players we've brought in like Woods uh, Conant like you can't they're good players so it's not it's not all bad. It's just it's just tougher. That's what I say. I'm going to ask you, but isn't Woods kind of the kind of player that we would have bought when we were in Division One? But he's kind in the Championship, so like I wouldn't. You can't argue against it. I'm not arguing. I'm just I'm just in the middle of throwing the questions. I'm not. I'm not starting to fight. We say no, um, no. But I'm saying like um, it's. I, I wouldn't uh, criticize the recruitment policy because you know obviously we're putting some quality of players. I would just say that. Um, we're competing with bigger clubs um, and so it's it's not as easy as it was when we were in League One we could look around and cherry pick players where now it's like we're competing against Derby Middlesbrough who are going to outspend us who are going to you know they've got more resources than we have I'd like to emphasise that we're not criticising anything at the moment now what we're doing is that we're asking the question and throwing it out there yeah. into the pot because as, as a fanzine and as a blog what we do is that we like to look at everyone's opinions out there and try and reflect it and just throw the questions out there and see what comes back out and we, and we discuss as much as we can do Mr Allard I think Nathan probably stole quite a lot of my thunder but it's a competitive it's fine it's a competitive environment isn't it you know two years ago we were competing against teams like you know Preston Wickham whatever to get these players now if we if you know we are competing against the Middlesbroughs, the Burnleys, even the Leeds and the Sheffield Wednesdays, who are clubs with loads of history, loads of history. And you, you, you know, you know, I'm trying to work out at the moment is what it, what can we sell to get these players to come to us? Because it's not going to be, we can't outpay, I'm sure, some of these clubs. Um, so it's about, you know, how do we sell ourselves as a club to come to, as a club that's going to enhance their careers and, and maybe at the moment we're just sort of we're, as a club we're, you know, we know we're treading water for the rest of this season so maybe that's a little bit of a difficult thing to sell to people to come to us so if they're choosing between I mean losing out to Reading on George Evans is a bit disappointing because I'm not sure what they can sell that we can't but, but I can understand why there's you know why it doesn't appear at the moment we're sort of picking picking you know the players up we really want we're going to see how it goes in the summer and then i think we'll have more of an idea of how successful we are with this i mean this is the thing and i'm going to come to laney in a minute now but you mentioned the george evans thing which is something which you know i think is something that which is a, which really sort of depicts kind of where we're at the moment now i'll be honest with you george evans was in the bag as far as Brentford were concerned. He was in the bag. Dean Smith, he signed him at Walsall. He knew him very well. Man City, the relationship was there. We thought it was absolutely in the bag. And in the end, he, last minute, you know, we got usurped. We got gazumped. And Reading just came in. 
whether or not they said we're a bigger club, we're a better club, we're going to offer you more money, but they came and they gazumped us, and I think they caught us a little bit on the hop. Now, there's been a couple of other situations. I mean, the, the Kmart Roof situation as well. I know that we're... I mean, this is not, it's not... People know that we were after him. You know, unfortunately, he went in the FA Cup and he scored a few goals, and everyone and their dog was after him after that. But the fact is that his value obviously went up from probably, you know, a million pounds or half a million pounds to four million pounds uh, or whatever it may have been. So that's an awkward situation. We also had the Egan as well, who's the centre-back from um, Gillingham. No rumour that, you know, we were interested in him. Apparently we put a bid in for him. Some people said he might not have. Maybe we might have spoken to him, but, you know, interested in him. He may have come, may not have come. Maybe we're looking at him, the Tarky situation, and thinking we need to pull him in as well. Um, but it didn't happen. Of course, Gillingham are going for promotion. And, it, and, 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 and they might have turned around and said to us, no, that's not going to happen. But what I think what I'm trying to say here is that we are very much in a different situation than we were when we were in Division 1. And the question I'm going to ask you, and I'm going to put it to Laney, is that we've obviously got our limits. We've got our, our wage cap, which, listen, we don't want to go really mental, but we've got our wage cap. We've got our, you know, the, the money that we'll pay for players. We've got all these things, which is the Brentford way. But have we got to the situation where we're almost like are too good, so we're a very good team, so we're in that competing with other teams who pay much more money for us for players, for wages, stuff like that, so we end up having to struggle. So all of a sudden we, have to, we were thinking out of the box before, but do we actually now have to start thinking out of the box even more to try and get these players? Because we can't just go and wade in there and say, excuse me, we want you to sign for us because it's not as easy as that. Christ, um, it's, a, it's a really it's a properly complicated landscape that's going on because um, we're all that, we're competing with the clubs that are technically bigger than us in the league, and there's other smaller clubs or clubs that are in League One are looking at what we've done and are going to try and emulate it. And if it works for Brentford, it can work for us. So like people like Bradley Dax, who, who, who you know Gillingham turned down two million quid for, um, and you know you've got. Um, um, what's his name? Um, the defender, Hegan. So Egan, sorry. So Egan. So they so so they realised what they're worth in League One, and, and Brentford have showed what the same players worth in in the Championship. So they, you know, if they're in if they're in contract and they're, from, they're, they're on the on the verge of promotion, they might double the valuation of that player by selling them in in, in the Championship. So. And there's also a pressure of getting it right first time every time as well. You know, if we if we're talking about going a bit, bit more left field and taking even more risk, is there an appetite for that? I'm not sure there is. Um, do we do, by by competing or going having the advantage? Do we go for you know, even more lower league continental players? I don't think Brentford fans want to see that either. So, you know. It's, it's really difficult, and, and when when a player, um, when Brentford are in for a player, the, the the agent can then go, well, Brentford are in for him. He's got to be good. Then Reading go, well, okay, if they're in for him, we'll have him. So you know, e- Evans may have come to Brentford, but you know, Re- Reading may be paying twice his wages. So he, he, he might. It, all of those factors come into it. But we, we are we are we are under the microscope in lots of ways at the moment. I think the other thing is, as we get higher up the leagues, we get and we're competing with teams that have more resources than the teams we used to compete with. Not only can they pay players more and have more resources for various things, one of the other things that they can do if they want to is 
pay for the sort of stats and the sort of analysis that we're using to find our players to find their own players. You know, yes, we in League One were very special in what we could do. And in the Championship, yes, these days we're still quite special in what we can do in that regard. But as a time goes on and data is more recorded and more available, and as we get higher up, and certainly if we're in the Premier League, other teams are going to be able to do what we can do. Okay, maybe not perfectly as well, but certainly nearly as well. And our advantage in that regard will go as well. Also, I think it's easy to sit here and talk like everything's very disappointing. And we're talking as fans. You know, at the end of the day, we get we get tweets come on saying that we've made a thousand percent profit on these players, and we think. And, and I read it, and I should have thought, oh, that's brilliant, that's great from the club. But you feel disappointed because. Finding tiny players no one's ever heard of isn't really what gets you going as a fan and isn't really what you watch Deadline Day for and, you know, managers out of windows and all of that thing. You want someone to make you go, and we're not in that game. It's right that we're not in that game, but as a fan when you're watching it, I think we're probably going to go quite a few um, transfer deadline days being a little bit disappointed because we could have already brought in someone amazing we don't have any idea if they are or they aren't because we're always buying players who are under the radar and so as a fan yeah maybe we won't get it until we've got it um i also think you have to remember that it is notoriously harder to buy someone in the january window than it is in the summer um because no one wants to lose their best players halfway through the season and if they do they're going to charge like double what they would what they're worth they're going to have to pay an extra premium and we'd you know, we don't have money to splash like that. So we're going to be a bit more sensible with our spending. Like, why spend, like, double what you would normally pay if you could just wait to the summer and get it for a more sensible price? So I think um, I, 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 I think it's harsh to judge it on this window. I'd rather wait a little while, wait to the summer, and see what players we bring in then. But OK, there's, I mean, there's two things I'll say as well, is I'll just say that it, I'm, I'm, I want to, first of all, ask if... We're in a transitionary stage. That's without a shadow of a doubt. And what we've done is we've set ourselves up, which I think is fair enough, because, again, me running my own business, you know, I know a lot of people out there say, yeah, just spend all the money and keep them. But I know as a business person, when you run your own business, you've got to keep a really tight ship or else you're going to go absolutely and totally bust. You know what I'm saying? So I can understand where owner man is coming from. Ben will turn around and says, right, this is, I'll, I'll spend money, but at the end of the day, I still want to keep it quite tight. And obviously there's a wage cap which is whatever it may be, 10 grand a week, 12 grand a week. You know, I'm sure it's not more than 12 grand a week where you're going to pay for players to go out there, you know, 10 grand, 8 grand a week. Right, that's where we're at. You know, other teams, Burnley and that lot, might be able to pay 20 grand, 25 grand, 18, 20, 20, whatever it may be, but we're not in that thing. But we're now in a situation where, and people may not like to hear this, that we've got the old team that we brought it, pulled in who were nobodies, and then we pulled them in and they've got, they've got promotion, they helped us get promotion as well, so we're not disrespecting what they've done, but also people have put faith in them to take them to the next level. But what happens when you get to the next level? All of a sudden, is that everyone goes, oh, Brentford are quite good, aren't they? Then people start whispering in their ear, and they say to me, tell you something, what, how much are you on? Oh, you're on eight grand a week. Oh, if you come to me, you could be on 16 grand a week. And I'm sure, well, I know this for a fact, that this is going on all the time, where we're trying to hold on to the players who we had who were on whatever it is, you know, three, four, five, six grand a week, who we built up from nowhere to something now, and now they're saying we should be rewarded. No, we're not saying players shouldn't get rewarded, but that is a fight that we've got on. So the question that we have to say is that 
if our cap is, say, for example, 10 grand or 12 grand a week, do we now need to reassess that and say, well, look, we've moved into a different era now. We're a bigger team. We're a better team. We now need to pay them 18 grand a week or 20 grand a week. Or is this going into a madness area? What I'll say to you is that I'm going to just bring in FCM, the Michelin team, who is the team who is in Denmark, who I know they walked around the pitch and it's pissed a lot of people off. But also they were in the Champions League and they're in the Europa League now. Their, their budget is a quarter of what Brentford's is. So, you know, whatever we're on, you know, whether or not they're a better... I mean, on paper, and from what I can gather, you know, if they played us, they'll probably... They probably beat us because they've beaten Southampton and they're going to play Man United decent. But their budget is a quarter from what our budget is. See, I, I don't see how there's one one correct way of a Brentford player earning thirty thousand pound a week or twenty five thousand pound a week. Where all the time we're where we are, you know, we're we're losing money. Um, we're not breaking even. We have we've got financial fair play to. to, to I mean, it's bought, they're all boring facts. But if if to do that, if if they said right, we're going to pay thirty thousand pound a week, but the only way we're going to do that is by putting your ticket prices up to forty quid a game. Who's going to be up for that? No one. So it's all it's all you know. We we can't we can't afford to pay. Okay, okay forget forty. What about eighteen grand a week? Then? I still, it still it still doesn't. It's still doesn't add up in the, in in the FFP thing. It, it doesn't. It doesn't. We can't be doing that because everyone will be wanting the same. It's, it's once you once one that earns it, they're all going to be in. Oh, he's earning it. So I I think for the time being, we need to just stick to our guns. So I've got to, again, and I'm going to come to you, Matt, in a minute. So in effect, so we're we, we are in an awkward situation. We're in an awkward situation, but we're also in an awkward situation because we're paying these players X amount of money, and they're going. Dirk Gregor's going, oh, I can get more money at Leeds. Or, you know, or Dallas, oh, I can get more money at Leeds. Yeah. You know, they're all... So what's happened is that... So, in effect, do we just have to let them go? Because I'm, what I'm saying is there's, there's one or two ways you go about it. You either give them more money or you've got to let them go. What, what do we do? <laughs> um, it, I, I'm probably not going to answer your question directly, but, but hopefully in a roundabout way I will. Oh, you, you, you coward. Well, it's it's because it's about sustainability, isn't it? Um, you know, it because even if you even if you decide to bust it for one player, and we we're not privy to players' contracts, but who's to say there's not two other players that got in their contract that their that, you know their wages go up to equal the player that I mean I don't know I'm not we don't know, but we know there are contracts like this exist which says oh actually if somebody at the club um, exceeds the you know the maximum amount then we meet that too. And that's in their contract. We, we, we know that happens at other clubs. So for me, it, it's essentially about sustainability. And I'm not privy to all the maths, but putting your ticket price up 10 quid or whatever a game, I don't really know if that actually produces enough money to double our wages of players. I doubt it does, if, if I'm honest. It's, you know, I don't, I don't think it's that... You, know, is you could it, just imagine it, though, couldn't you? If, if, you thought, if you actually thought that you were paying their wages and they were underperforming... The utter bile that will be coming out of some people's that would be unbelievable. 
And then, and, and actually, mentioning the ticket prices as well. Actually, to, oh, tomorrow, which is Thursday, which is when this podcast will go out, Thursday the fourth. I think uh, Thursday is the fourth, isn't it? And that's the day where the shareholders meeting, um, the, the the Premier League shareholders meeting, where they're going to be deciding whether or not they're actually going to cap away fan ticket prices. So we may find away fan ticket prices capped at twenty five or thirty or even thirty five quid in the Premier League tomorrow. If it doesn't happen now, then they may hold it back for another few months. But this uh, pressure which is on, so just keep your eyes out on that. You know, ears to the ground and all this kind of stuff. But coming back to Gemma here now I'm just going to move this on a little bit because you know this has got me all kind of excited and thinking about where is because this is all about where's Brentford going now it's interesting because you know there's a little um there's a little photographs kind of going around which has basically got the kind of our sort of kind of championship winning team you know and it's basically got like most of the names crossed off and in effect there's only three players left from that championship winning team if I remember rightly one is Button one is uh Harley Dean and one is Bidwell and all the rest of them are being just crossed off. They've gone. They're out of here. Hotter, Andre Gray, everybody, they've gone. You know, listen, football fans, and if you think about it, this is just kind of what happens. But it is quite kind of gutting if you think about it. You know, this was like not too long ago, year, year and a half ago, that that championship team was all in our hearts now, and they've gone. Now, thinking about this a lot because, you know, my, me personally, I think our season's over, as you can tell, because it's on the end of season party today. You know, not, not being negative, I just think it's good because I think building for the next season, if we build right, that is. But I'm just looking at this. Mark Warburton loved him as a manager. I thought he's great, did really good with a lot of our players. But, you know, it's got to the stage where it is what it is, as in players have left. We've got players that are unhappy, other players that want to go and get more money. It is what it is. I'm going to ask the question... This whole Warburton era, very similar to the England Golden Era, or whatever they called it, do we need to just let go of that? And maybe if the player, the players that want to leave, if they don't want to be with Brentford, let them go and we just kind of rebuild. Because I'm just thinking, Dean Smith, has he got a scenario where he's picking up the pieces with players where some of them aren't necessarily Dean Smith players as such? And does he actually have to build? Because for me, and we'll find out in a couple of days, because it looks like we might be talking to Dean in a couple of days' time as well, it looks like that he needs a team of his own. And he does have a little bit of input. He obviously wanted Evans in the side. He wants all these other players coming in. Do we need him to build his team so the team feel that they're working for him? They're one of his players. They're his players. Is is this what we need to move forward? And the Warburton era, we need to just kind of let go. Yeah, like... Um, okay, I'm not a fan of this movie, but to quote Frozen, just let it go. <laughs> let it go. <laughs> um, yeah, it's like we're. It comes back to us being spoiled from last year, and it's like we, just, we haven't quite got over it. I mean, it's not surprising, it was a great season, but um, I think we need to let Dean Smith kind of just stamp his authority on the side, um, and not always that like, kind of compare it and reminisce about Warburton. It was great, but football moves on times move on and that's what we have to do as, as, as fans and as a club yeah I mean we can uh, it's ironic that we laugh at we laugh at you know teams like Leeds and Forest who sell it who are still talking about their history um, <laughs> 20 to 30 to 35 yeah exactly 35 <laughs> years later and there's a danger we may do that too and I and you know, anyone listening to the podcast will know that I've got so much time and respect um, for Mark Warburton. But but if we don't try and move on, um, we're not going to move on, and it's really as simple as that. Well, it's, uh, it's exactly a year ago uh, this time next week, 10th of February, that bombshell happened. So it was a year ago this week. 
think with weekend we're up at Leeds watching Brentford win, coming back from there, having a proper party on the train, not you know blissfully unaware that the you know things things were about to you know to change. Um, it, we, we've seen a lot of change. We, we've seen a lot of players leave. Um, you know, in a, in any other time in our history, players have always left. You know that that same you saying about the chart with players that were here that aren't here anymore. Well, that, that goes back forever. You know, like there was none of the championship winning team were not not here now. So you know, the evolution happens in every era. But we have we have seen a lot. Um, uh, of, of those, how many of Brentford actually look to sell themselves? They're relatively few. Most of the players that seem to have left Brentford have wanted to go. Um, or the, the, the bids that have come in for them have been so, so high that you know, they've triggered our, our, release, our own release clauses. So we, we decided to sell them. But some, something, something's got to change in that I think you're right. Dean Smith has got to build his own team here. Um, and uh, whether that's going to take this summer or the whole of next year as well, I ho- hopefully, hopefully it's just this summer. But you know, we do need to get back to um, having a team that we can look at and feel that is a, a steady, recognised team where uh, the, you know we haven't made any changes for three, four, five weeks. Because that's where success happens when you've got stability in a team that doesn't change every week. I liked Warburton a lot. Um, but I was one of the few, even at the time, who thought that him and us parting ways was actually the, the right thing and probably the best thing in the circumstances. You know, at the end of the day, we, because we did so well last season and because from, you know, halfway through the season, he was in essentially a no-lose situation where if, if the season had gone to pot, he would have been blameless. As it was, it went very well and he was held up a hero and rightly so, what he did with the team. But... You know, the storm The storm was always brewing and the reason he left was because, you know, in one way or another, he and the owner didn't see eye to eye on how things should be done. So if, if, if he'd have been with us this season, that would have still been the case. And I can't believe that everything would have carried on being rosy and we'd have carried on going up and up and up. At the end of the day, that would have come to a head. And, you know, they, I think they made the right decision parting in the summer. It gave them time to find the right manager. Okay, they made a mess of that but the premise was right you know and in terms of the players yes they've left one by one and all for their own reason but effectively as a group but you know if we're not going to break these barriers of the of the the, the cost and, and and you know the money we're willing to spend on keeping these players which we're not because if if, if nothing else we want to still have a club to support you know and we, we all feel the same in that regard we're not going to go mad and I don't want us to go mad and but these players are going to think no hang on we did something for you as a club that you've never had before or at least not for a long time we got you promoted you know show show me the money and when it's not shown yeah sure they're going to go but I don't know for one I think we should let them to be honest I think there's there's something around the corner I think you've got to be a realist you know if even if um, what you know even if Warburton Gate hadn't happened um, are you telling me that if Brentford had had a season that was even half as successful as last season, he wouldn't have gone somewhere by now? You know, if Glasgow Rangers had come in last summer, if Derby County that needed a new manager, you know, it, you know the chances are, the chances of him being here this time this year, even if last year hadn't happened, I would say they're so remote that you know all all, all we did, you know, we, we we were just the inevitable happened quicker. That that was all. 
Um, you know, we 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 ought to, we do have to park it at some stage, and it should be soon because we're just going to end up. Fans are going to end up beating themselves up and beating people up at the club that don't really deserve it because you know he was always he, he, he's an ambitious guy. You look at his career in the city, you know he, he was destined for, for for he was he wanted better things, bigger things, and he, and he would have gone. So he, he has. I mean, I, I mean, I again, I, I like my, you know, I still talk to him quite a lot, and he's kind of cool, and he is an ambitious guy. Um, I, I, if West Ham or whoever like that had come knocking on the door, especially the season that he had, you just can never answer. The, you could just never answer because the, the ball was out of our court. But we're going to move on from that because the question I'm going to ask, and I'm going to bring it back to, just with regards the Brentford team and moving forward, because this is where it is, because. I'm going to say this, that obviously fans are very despondent after what's happened now because maybe expectations had been risen after what happened last season, so they expected us to do even better, even though you've got teams like, you know, I don't know, Blackburn Rovers and Birmingham City or whoever it may be who've been in this league for ages. Sheffield Wednesday is a great example. They've been in this league for, I think, 12 or 13 years, and they've just done nothing. But all of a sudden, it's like they've had a bit of a run on. You know, if, if you check, we've done a little video with them, and they think their time has come. Personally, and this is not a disrespect on Sheffield Wednesday, I think that our team last season was much better than you this season, but they think that this season for them is the one, and I'm thinking, oh, this is, this is quite mad. But this just goes to show you where the, where the barometer lies. Now, for us, we had a taster of it. We've stepped back this season now. We're in this kind of like, you know, we're, we're just... We're just sort of, you know, getting our arms together to go for an, an, another, an, another charge, possibly next season. But the most important thing for us now, because it's about building the team, we were able to build the team for various factors. You know, we had the stats that went on in Division One. You know, you don't deny that it wasn't over the papers that we had that as well, as well as Mark Warburton coming in and our scouting system. We brought a load of players in, and it kind of worked for us. And those players pretty much stayed with us last season and they were they've been with us for two or three years and we formed and it's almost like we need to we're starting again now but we need to get it right and this is what people are saying have we got it right with the players we come we've got in obviously it's not 100 right obviously the people that have pulled them in have got faith in them but we don't know dean smith has had a little bit of input but i think he's going to have more input but this summer is going to be a real real important time for brentford to know whether or not we are going to really challenge because we need to put I'll be honest with you I don't know whether or not we're going to be able to pull these players in that we think they were going to pull in we need to pull players and we need to deliver some results um, are we going to have another Evans situation are we going to have you know another Kmart roof type situation in the summer because if we do something has got to change and I keep going on about that because obviously I'm just keep saying we need to deliver in the summer um Unfortunately, I suspect we may have one or two frustrations in the summer um, because, especially when you talk about someone like Ruth, um, who may have been off the radar, he's all over the radar. I mean, I even, it's bizarre because I called my dad up and said, This Ruth, there's this, you know, before the game was on telly, I said, This Ruth guy, watch out, have a look at him. You know, I've heard he's a half decent player. And, um, and he, you know, my dad was singing all his praises by the end of that game. Um, so and, and you know it's not just us noticing these players it's going to be everybody noticing them however well, let's just think back who are the last three or four players we brought into the side that we've signed um, and and although I know we had a summer where you know there's arguments that some weren't so good some weren't so bad you know if you think of like Maxim Colin if you think of Canos on loan we, we actually for me we've turned a bit of a corner and 
and there might be some debate about some of the summer signings, but the ones sort of since the summer towards the end of the last transfer window, not the one we just closed, but the one before, Woods as well, um, we actually have maybe, you know, signed some players that we do think, yeah, yeah, you know, they're good players. So hopefully we can carry that on for next summer. Yeah, um, just to follow up what you said, I mean... Uh, yeah, there will be a few frustrations. Um, that happens every club, every window. But judging on what we've done, like you know, signing Woods, signing Co- uh, Colin, um, it shows that the guys who are you know who are sourcing these players, kind of, they they do know what they're doing, um, and they, they, we will get some you know some some decent players. You know, obviously there's going to be the one or two we might miss out on, but I mean that happens for everyone. That is now Dean. I'm going to say I'm going to go back to it's Dean Smith. Right, because this is this is what's happened. It's Dean Smith going. Tell you something, I, I ain't got a, I ain't got a proper. I need a proper defensive midfielder. I know Freddie Jackson, you know from Altrincham. I know Freddie Stones over here, and he's putting it. It's because he's he knows exactly what he wants to do the job, and at the, he's only been here a couple of months. Right, he was, he was Freddy Krueger. Is what he wants. <laughs> yeah. He's probably going to get Freddy Krueger as well, like you know. So this is to me is is the really important moment because Dean Smith has to put his stamp on this team a hundred percent yeah he does um, it's, it's a it's a very very critical time for him and his career as well so he's, he's left Walsall who, who were still challenging for promotion they, they love him there um, and uh, he's come to Brentford and he he's come here for a step up um, and Brentford Football Club have hired him to help us step up as well so yeah, pressure's on him, and, and he, he has to be given the, the chance to, to, to have a, a, a say in his team for next year. I think as well, for him, coming into a team like this and a club like this, and with, ev- with all the talk everywhere about how maybe the owner's running things and maybe the manager doesn't have as much say as he wants, I think, for his point of view, if he doesn't sign someone who's obviously his signing... Then you know the the chat around the I don't know how our managers talk to each other and about each other is going to start to be well. Hang on, what are you doing there? Are you actually in charge? And it's going to undermine him. So he almost has to make a signing to prove himself as, hey, I'm actually involved here and I'm not just a face, you know, ahead of some kind of you know computerized football club because that's the way people talk about us and they will talk about him unless he does something. Do you, do you think he's had a say in the, the players that left in this window? Do, do you think it's been his decision that they're the ones that he doesn't want around? I think 100%, yeah, I, I know for a fact. So yeah. Maybe we're witnessing the first first phase of a two-phase thing. He has to clear the decks of the ones that he thinks are fodder and then he'll... He can... or, or, or I think, this is not necessarily fodder, but I think maybe there's a scenario where a decision has to be made and there's an economic, as, as Phil has said in his whole situation, you know, in his interviews that he's done on the official site, talk about an economic scenario, which basically means that if a player says, oh, I'm, I'm on four grand or five grand a week and I want 12, and he sits down and he thinks, well, actually, I, I know I can get such and such for six grand and he's younger and I think he's better and I think maybe that decision's gone into the pot maybe one solution to the recruitment is that um, we'll see the lower and middle earners of the club becoming better paid rather than the, the, the cap which I don't agree with either necessarily so if we're going to be more competitive we're ready to get an Evans maybe our minimum salary is then eight or ten thousand so then we're really competitive um, with those players that we're kind of experimenting with where we keep the cap of our best players 
the, the gap between the, the lowest and the highest player becomes closer, but then you're just the, the risks become more expensive or, the, or they become riskier. So you know, are are players going to not want to come to Brentford anymore? No, that they are because we are a stepping stone, and you, you, we've proved that we if you come here and you perform week in week out and you play really attractive football it's got to be enjoyable you can go to Burnley yeah no no but you yeah, nice one Seven. but no but you, you can go you can then go and earn 30 grand a week in the back end of nowhere so listen right, look, we're going we're gonna, to gonna wrap this up a little bit now and um, we're going to come back after the break we're going to talk a little bit about you know comedy moments of the season we're going to talk about Brighton then we're going to wrap it up so we've got our very own Brentford comedian in the house. And we're saying it the politest possible way. We've got Nathan Gayton in the house. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, we thought we're going to go around the table and ask... I mean, this season has been... It's been an all right season, but surely there's been at least one comedy moment that has absolutely made you laugh, Laney. Uh, there's plenty of comedy moments, but... I guess the one that's made me properly cry was down at Bristol City on the first away game of the season. We came out, we won 4-2. Um, it was, it was a, a really topsy-turvy game. And we do have besotted interviews and our videos after the game. And I, and I saw this character standing on the corner. And I just asked him what he thought. And, it, and he, in proper West Country, Bristol bumpkin accent, called us a b- bunch of cheating bastards. And then I, I, I said, you know, about their player getting sent off and kicked right to kick people in the head. And he went, oh, you're just, you're just, you're just, you're just, you're fucking shit, you are. <laughs> and it was, it was, it was, it was video gold. Um, and so he is the Bristol Raider. And that's, that's the funniest, funniest thing that's happened off the pitch. Nathan. Uh, one thing that made me chuckle was probably um, our last uh, home game against Leeds. Um, watching uh, Steve Evans on the side um, shouting. Um, I, I don't want it to seem like I'm picking on him because he's big, but it's funny. I don't care how much you think you are. It is funny watching someone like Steve Evans shout, run, move, run. Like, surely as a player, there's got to be a part of you that looks and think, why don't you run, mate? Like, like, look at me and look at you. Who needs to be doing some running here? That, that made me laugh. Jeff. Um... You know, the funniest thing I thought at the Leeds game, which didn't actually happen, was I spent about 10 minutes of the game thinking that the crowd was singing, does Madonna know you're here to Steve Evans, which I couldn't work out because I didn't imagine she'd be fussed. Um, but the other thing I liked was when Walsall came to visit, delightful bunch that they are, and we had a beautiful juxtaposition of all of the different sort of ages of football because you had my mate with his um, tinfoil FA Cup, you had... A nice gentleman in a balaclava holding up a specially made flag with our badge upside down and Ginger Judas written all over it. Um, and, then, and then you had the, the, the good ship Rasmus stood very, very close to him, um, looking absolutely splendid and pucker and everything like the future of football. And I was really drunk, so it made me laugh quite a lot. Um, but probably you have to be there. <laughs> oh, last season, um, or this season actually, it sort of kind of comes on from last season when uh, Harry Bunn if you remember Harry Bunn who played for Huddersfield who decided he was going to abuse the Reading Road he, him and his mate um, 
who's gone off to uh, Vaughney. Was it Vaughney or, or the other one who's gone off? Uh, anyway, Vaughney's he's, he's, he's sort of, I'm going to leave you, Bunny, because you caused too much trouble when uh, we beat them 4-1 last season, I think it was, or we got, you know, um, and uh, they came over and when they scored their one goal over the Ealing Road and absolutely gave it a large one. So, of course, when um, Harry Bunn came to Griffin Park this season, he thought no one's going to remember. But we remember down the Ealing Road. And Bunny, who was on the bench, got a whole load of effuse. Funny Bunny. And all sorts of stuff was going on with the Funny Bunny. Funny Bunny, Bunny, what's the score? Funny, Funny Bunny. And I saw Funny Bunny actually did think it was quite funny at stages. But he, he didn't come too near to the Ealing Road. So I just thought that was quite funny, that the Funny Bunny was... uh, you know, the, the, we're the elephants of Ealing Road and we never forget these things, so that was quite good. Matt, Matt Allard? Uh, it, it'd be a bit unfair to probably say our club's PR in general, but I am going to pick um, one, one moment from just a few days ago where we announced our transfer, um, our transfer window signings and one of them was um, Jermaine Udemaga because he'd come back from a loan um, and actually come back a day early, which made transfer deadline day. <laughs> That's quite bad. So listen, we've talked a lot about transfers. We're going to talk about the Brighton game. Not very, very briefly. We haven't got the Brighton blogger on because we wanted to talk a lot about our club today because we haven't had a podcast for, uh, for a couple of weeks. We've got Brighton on, on Friday night. It's on Sky. Live on TV, uh, if you don't want to come down and get freeze your bollocks off and pay a load of money to go and get a lovely pie for about £8.20 and some uh, Harvey's Ale. Uh, it's lovely they do ale and lovely they dress in Bradford shirts, but then also they charge you a fortune for it and apparently that's acceptable. But I won't go into that because I'm not allowed to criticise other clubs and the money that they charge. Gemma? I'm looking forward to it because all the money they do charge, they do have lovely comfy seats, which I think is very civilised and absolutely not worth the 32 bloody quid that we've got to pay there. On the, on the match though, I mean, Brighton, everyone thought that they were going to fade away, but they haven't quite faded away, have they? No, they haven't. I think they're going to beat us. Loyal. <laughs> um, we, as I said earlier, we, we've got a lot of players that need to step up to the plate. Um, that we we need to go down there and not get turned over. I'm not sure we're capable of doing that on Friday, if I'm being honest with you. But you know, we've 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 gone to games like Wolves away and um, Preston away, where we thought that the form and the vibe was against us, and we and we've won. So maybe we'll go there and win. Score prediction: uh, two one Bs. Gemma, three nil, no danger. three oh, nil to Brighton. What do you say? No, Brentford, it's always the same. 3 0 to Brentford. Okay, that didn't quite tally with your they're going to beat us, did it? No, I see no contradiction. Oh, we really like a bit of contradiction. You're just confusing us. You need to stop drinking. Matt? Um, yeah, Friday. I've, I've invested, so far, I've invested 60 quid in Friday night, and I'm probably going to invest a good few more, um, which is almost as much as my monthly subscription to the rip-off merchants that are showing it live. So I'm kind of. Um, Am, am I looking forward to? I'm looking forward to a, to, a, to an away game. I haven't been to one for a month or so. I've been away. How do I think we're going to do? Um, I, do you know what? I still think Brighton are going to fall out of the playoffs. Gen- genuinely, I think. I, I don't know that we're going to get a result though. I suspect two one Brighton. Oh, Nathan Kate. Um, I'm actually going to be in Brighton on Friday, but not at the game. Oh, are you? What are you doing? I'm, I'm gigging at the, the Comedia Comedy Club. I'll tell you, all the characters, the characters, oh, they're staying overnight. So all Brentford fans are staying overnight Friday night, Saturday night. So they must cut. Is it sold out? 
Um, no, you can get a ticket. There's two shows on Saturday, one at 7 and one at 10. Is there a fire exit they can come in and through the back door? You can open the door for them and let them in? Yeah, j- yeah. just say Nathan. No, they'll let you in. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it's weird. When the pictures came out in June, um, I saw we were playing on the Saturday, so I booked the weekend to do at the uh, Comedia Comedy Club because um, I like to kind of book my gigs around the fixtures and then the game got moved to the Friday evening when I'm gigging so now I can't go oh loyal um, but listen so Brighton though what do you reckon um, I think I don't think Brighton, I think we are a match for Brighton I think one all I think we get a draw I don't think they'll beat us one all and for myself it's a difficult one actually I, I, I try not to be negative uh, so I'm going to I'm going to go for one all one all actually no I think bollocks to this 1-0 to the bees. I think actually after all that's gone down and Brighton giving it large we're going to go down there and we're going to beat them so that's us wrapped up for this podcast it's been actually jolly it's been a bit long but that's the reason because we have not spoken for a couple of weeks I'm Mr Lane do you want to Talk about Paul Slattery before we finish. You just got to quickly talk about Paul Slattery. You mean you give a little lowdown of Paul Slattery quickly? Um, well, Paul Slattery um, has been a Brentford fan all his life. He's a very local um, resident, lives down Lakewood Road. Um, very famous photographer as well? Yeah, he, he, he went around the world with Oasis for a couple of years. Sex Pistols, Clash, um, Motorhead. He was a very good... Smiths. Smiths, yeah. Um, yeah, he's, 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 a, he's a proper 90s icon rock photographer. Um, and um, the local council have brought in wheelie bins um, and they're compulsory apparently so the residents didn't want them so they had a, a good humoured protest outside Steve Curran's house in Braemar Road right beside the ground right beside the ground um, and where all the residents brought their wheelie bins and left them outside his house they piled them outside his house um, and instead of taking it in good humour taking it like a man um, having a, uh, uh, just 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 taking it in just the spirit it was intended, he called the police. He had Slattery arrested. Um, he's on bail still. He's had him banned from even going down Braemar Road. He can't. He's got a season ticket for Brentford. Yeah, um, and his phone. So he can't. So he actually can't go to Brentford because he's not allowed to go in the entrance that gets him into the ground. And more worryingly, in a, you know, if if we're not in a police state, why has Paul Slattery's phone been confiscated for over two months now? Um, it, it, is, it is a massive miscarriage of the justice system. Steve Curran, hang your head in shame. Get a sense of humour. Drop the charges. Save the Wheelie Bin 1 campaign. Paul Slattery, if you hear about it, you can read about it on the, the Bradford Facebook page. We put an article up from Get West London as well. And we might just start ramping that up over the next few weeks because it's absolutely perfect that a Brentford fan cannot go to the match because he's not allowed to walk down the street that he put a... That not even he did because he didn't do it apparently. But the people he was with, they're all OAPs. They're all about 70, 75 years old. But they put wheelie bins outside there. And because he was with the group, he's been now arrested and on bail. But anyway, we're going to try... We don't want to keep it on a downer. We're going to keep this on an upper. Listen, I'm here. I've had a good night tonight. We are in the George IV in Chiswick. Wicked, wicked pub. I haven't been there for ages. We're upstairs, downstairs. There's music going on downstairs. Upstairs, we're in the games room, and I think it's absolutely great. Um, I'm going to come back here again, actually. I might come back here at the weekend. Actually, no, I'm not going to come at the weekend because I'm going to Marseille with you, Mr. Dave Lane, because we're hanging out with the, the Ultras from uh, from Marseille. They're playing PSG, and we're going down there. We're going to do one of our little film projects, which we've been doing quite a few of, and the Ultras have taken us in to their little thing, and they said, come, we're playing PSG, come into our house, you can live with us for a couple of days, and we'll just show you what a proper, proper derby is all about. So that's going to be very, I'm very excited about that. But, 
listen, Mr. Nathan Kane, just tell us where you're going to be and just tell us what you're doing so people can come and see you. Um, I'm gigging, I'm, I'm doing a tour later this year, I'm just gigging, working towards that. Uh, all my where, where, where can you get the tickets for this tour? When, when is the tour? Uh, tour starts October and goes up until the uh, end of the, no, start of December. Yeah, but you must have to buy the tickets now because obviously you must be selling out. Uh, you've got my website, uh, nathancaton.com. There's a link <clears throat> link to get the tickets. Uh, or just hit me up on Twitter, Instagram, uh, Facebook, and you can find all the details there. Nathan, N-A-T-H-A-N-C-A-T-O-N is the man.com. So yeah. listen, we're going to be in Brighton. We say, come on, you TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.